Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 on page, well, it's a difficult one on this Bible, 757 in your church Bibles. Uh, We'll be looking at the first 12 verses uh, this evening, a a very well-known story, the story of of the three wise men, the Magi, coming to uh, visit to, to worship the newborn king. This is God's word from, from Matthew 2, beginning in verse 1, uh, reading through verse 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned his, the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forevermore. Now I want to suggest to us this evening that, that in these verses before us, the, the heart of God towards people like you and I, shines forth. By this I mean that, that God's love for sinners, people like, like us, people who've wandered far from, from, from Him, is, is, is actually the central theme of this passage. And in, these, these, in this we see why, why actually Christmas is, is such an incredible and wonderful thing. It's, it's why we celebrate the incarnation of Christ. Because in these, these verses, we actually see how far God is willing to go to call us to himself. And what we see in the, the wise men, the, the magi, and their, their journey is actually a, a small picture of, of all of our journeys to, to God. In many ways, that's, uh, what, what we see in the, the magi should on, on some level be uh, uh, representative of our own experience. And their story should be an example of the, the shining light of God's grace in our world. What Matthew once again shows us in the, the theme that, that continues to develop in his account of the life of Christ is that salvation in Christ is for everyone. And the funny thing about it is that, that with Jesus, often, uh, often the, the outsiders are brought in and the insiders are, are pushed out. We started to see that a bit uh, last week. Uh, so let's not miss that point, though. It's, it's, in many ways, it's the whole point of Matthew's gospel that there's only two responses to Jesus, to, to come before him and, and to worship him as the Magi do, or to be disgusted by him and to, to try and, and, and 
wipe him from, from the face of the earth and at the very least from our own lives as Herod and his lot do. There's no third way and there's, there's no in-between. So, so what I want to, to ask a, a certain group of, of people who, who may be with us today to do is to, to maybe set aside our belief that, that Jesus is a way to God. And notice what happens when God, out of the immensity of his love and grace, reaches out to a group of pagan men. Because that's what the story is actually all about. And there's three things I want us to see this evening. How, how creation cries out for us to look to God. Secondly, how scripture reveals God. And thirdly, how Christ is the, the object of our journey. So first of all, how creation cries out for us to, to look for God. The, the natural question we should be asking ourselves is, who were these wise men? These men from the East. Our, our passage calls them wise men. Uh, while older translations, and, and I myself will generally refer to them uh, as Magi. And I think that's a, the, the name Magi is probably a, a better name for them, a better reference, because it's, it's a more literal translation of the Greek. But the, the Magi were, in essence, astrologers. Men who, who watched the stars to try and discern uh, mankind's destiny from, from the heavens. They're kind of like, if you're a Harry Potter fan, uh, the centaurs. Uh, you know, the, these magical creatures looking up at the sky, uh, trying to figure out the future. Back in Jesus' day, uh, astronomy, the study of, of, uh, of the stars of the sky, and astrology, the interpretation of the meaning of the stars, weren't weren't distinguished from one another. It was just one sort of uh, uh, profession, if you will. And so these men believed that there was this, this kind of special relationship, this symbiotic relationship between the heavens and the earth, that the stars in the sky had something to reveal to them about the world. We actually get our, our modern-day word magician from the Greek name for these men, magi. I think it's, it's worth stating two things uh, that we can say definitively about these men. We're not told a whole lot about them. But two things we can say definitively. One is that they weren't idiots. They were indeed wise men. They knew a lot about the world and, and beyond. They had studied the stars for, for many, many years. And they, they, would, have been, they would have looked at, uh, they would have been looked to as, as the sages, the, the, the wise people of their time. That's why, why we often refer to them as wise men. They were probably from, from, uh, from modern day Iraq and, and in that part of the world. That they would have been the, the people that, that uh, rulers turned to for advice. Now the second thing these, these men would have been was that they would have been considered uh, utter pagans by, by the Jewish audience of Matthew's Gospel. And, and also by the, the early church as well. They would have been the last people you would expect to be invited to the, the birth celebration of the Messiah. They would have been considered idolaters, men who were, who were leading, people to, uh, to leading people astray. They were, they were pointing people to, to look at the creation, the stars in the sky, rather than the creator, the one who had placed them there. So as we read back into this as, as a modern audience, the, the temptations often is to, to look at these men as, as good, wise people doing the best they could. And God rewarding them for that. We might try to use this passage to say uh, Christmas is really all about just finding, uh, 
finding your, your way to God, finding a way, no matter the journey. Even, even these stargazers found their own way to God, and that's, that's pretty cool. And if that's what you see when you come to this passage, then, then friends, let me just say, there's something way better here than that. And if the Magi, I think, were with us tonight, then they tell you that there's something way better in their story than them doing their best. What happened to them wasn't the, the result of their, their doing their best. It was the result of the immense and immeasurable grace of God. And it turned the religious order of their day completely upside down. And it could do that again in our own day if we would let it. So I want to trace the way God revealed himself to these men in the hope that we can see his call to us as well. So let's say this. One night, uh, one, of, one or, or all three of these men were, were gazing up at the stars in the sky. Stars that they'd, they'd gazed at probably hundreds of times, probably even thousands of times before. Uh, they would have known the night sky really, really well. Certainly better than it, you, or, you and I know it living here in London, right? So they're start staring up at the, uh, up at, at, at the sky. Maybe, maybe they're even filling out some notes or, or, or filling out a chart when they notice something unexpected. A new star out in the west. Quite a bright one at that. Now these were learned men. So they may have, have known about uh, the old prophecies that a, a star would come out of Jacob spoken by Balaam hundreds of years earlier. And this would have fascinated them. And they wouldn't have been able to resist going on a journey to learn more. So here's the, here's the thing. Here's the, the key point that we, we need not lose sight of. Who put that star there? And why? Well, the God of the universe who created all the stars in the sky put it there. This wasn't an ordinary star or a comet like some uh, want to suggest. Matthew suggests this was, was something unique. It was a proper miraculous occurrence because uh, God wanted to call these men to himself. See, the world we, we live in can sometimes wake us from our spiritual slumber, can't it? Now, I don't know anyone uh, who can take a trip to, to the countryside, to a, a really uh, breathtakingly beautiful place, and, and not at some point... Uh, in, in the quiet of their own minds, ponder where it came from and why it's there. And more importantly, the, the answer to the, the not, not just the answer to those questions, but what, what the answers have to say about ourselves. See, the Magi were wise in that they, they looked at the stars and at the world and thought, there's something more to all of this. But they couldn't quite put their finger on what. So understand when, I, when I'm calling them pagans or when the early church was calling them pagans or the Jewish audience of Matthew were calling them pagans, we, I, I don't mean that derisively. I simply mean that, 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 that they're, they're like us. They're like you and I. How most of us, they're, they're like how most of us started out. Certain that there must be something more to all of this. But with no idea how it all fits together. But then God, out of his, his grace and mercy, sent his son into the world. And when he did so, he set a star in the sky, didn't he? And he set the star in the sky for these men. That's incredible, isn't it? He put the one thing in the sky 
that he knew would get their attention. And he set them on a journey to find the truth. I can't help but wonder, what, what would it take for God to get your attention? I hope that, that perhaps we can all relate to these magi and, and that perhaps their, their story will get our attention this evening. And that their experience will awaken our own hearts to what they experienced. So these men, these magi, go on this journey where they, where they end up in Jerusalem. And that's where we see our, our second point, how, how the scriptures reveal God. How do you go about finding a king? Well, uh, you go looking for him where the king lives. And so the king over Israel at the time was uh, Herod. And Herod was, was actually more of a governor as he, he worked for uh, the Roman emperor whose army was occupying Israel at the time. And Herod was not a nice man, as we'll see in even greater detail next week. We get some hints of it this evening in our, our passage. But the Magi come to the court of Herod and they ask him where where the king of the Jews is. They say, we, we know he's been, he's been born. We saw uh, his star in the sky. So, so where is he? He must be here somewhere. Uh, and Herod's reaction is striking, really. Uh, he doesn't dismiss these, these pagans as, as ignorant, babbling men from the east. He's actually troubled by what they have to say to him, isn't he? He probably wasn't a stargazer. He may not have uh, noticed this star. So, so could you imagine these guys turning up with, with their entourage, all saying, we've been following this new star, and it's led us here. And it can only mean one thing, that the rightful king of the Jews has been born. Now, what do you do when you yourself are a, a pagan outsider trying to rule a land of religious fanatics with an iron fist? And when suddenly some uh, pagans turn up spouting gibberish about a prophecy and a king. Well, you turn to the local experts. Uh, Herod turned to, to his, his sage group, right? Uh, the the uh, scribal advisory group for emergencies. Yeah, you didn't get that one either. Yeah, that's okay. You've got to think about it. Uh, so Herod gets all his chief priests and, his, and the scribes uh, together. These, these experts in the scriptures, and he asked them uh, where the Christ is to be born. And so look at verses 5 and 6. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who, shall, who will shepherd my people Israel. Now the next thing that happens is really important for us to notice and to get. So the chief priests and the scribes had, had the scriptures. Herod had the chief priests and the scribes. Between them, they, they had all the knowledge they needed to figure out what was going on and where Jesus, the true king of the, the Jews, was to be born. But the only people who went 10 kilometers further to Bethlehem were the Magi. That's all it was, 10K. Some of you have run 10K before. It's about six miles. We should find that really striking. The Magi would not have worked out where they were going without God's word, without the scriptures. The people who had the scriptures couldn't be bothered to, to walk a 10K to see what was going on down in Bethlehem. What do we take away from that? 
Well, first of all, we learn just how hard-hearted humanity can be towards God. What happened in Bethlehem? Well, well, the God of the universe, the the creator of everything, the, the glorious and holy one true God, set aside his glory and humbled himself and entered into our world, taking on our flesh, being born in poverty. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? But rather than than going and glorifying him, Herod sought to conspire against him. And and again, we'll look at this in more detail next week. But for now, mark the hard-heartedness of Herod. Jesus came into a world that was hostile to him. He received no, no welcome from kings or princes. Instead, he was from the very start hunted and eventually would become a refugee. The second thing we see is that that you can play at religion your whole life and be utterly lost and offended by the one true God. And that's what we see in the, the reaction of the chief priests and the scribes, isn't it? They ignore the signs and the wonders of Christ's birth, and in 30 years' time, they would be the ones to, to put him on trial and call for his death. And that should be a serious warning to us. That should get our attention. We're, we're actually a very religious society, aren't we? There are very few people out there who would say that they don't believe in God. Many would call themselves spiritual but not religious. In many ways, that's, that's the chief priests and the scribes. They're spiritual. They're not religious. They, want, they went through the motions of the Jewish faith. They loved being uh, spiritual, being respected by the followers of the faith. They loved being uh, wise sages, almost like the, the magi who, who came. But when the Messiah turns up, they reject him as not the Savior they wanted, not what they expected. Can we claim that in our our modern world we're we're any different from from these folks? What does it mean to be spiritual and not religious? What means to we we want to feel good the, the good benefit of believing in God? Maybe we like the social aspect of, of being part of a church. But like the chief priests and the scribes, we don't want to draw near to him. We don't want to go the the 10 kilometers to Bethlehem to see the child that the natural world and the word of God is crying out for us to take notice of. This is a warning to us this Christmas to stop and to look and to listen to the good news of the child in a manger. The third thing we see is the strength of God's grace and His great love for us. Who responds to Jesus? The pagan astrologers. The magi. And it's beautiful and it's mysterious and it's wonderful, isn't it? And the only explanation for it is that that God wanted them to come. God wanted them to belong to Him. It's the only way you can explain a star in the sky. It's the only way you can explain it, leading them all the way. Friends, that's the heart of God towards you and I. We're the outsiders, we're the sinners, the pagans, the superstitious stargazers, and Jesus came and died and rose for us. And that's the wonder and the joy of Christmas, and, the, and that's the mystery of the gospel. The insiders get pushed out, and the outsiders get drawn in. And that's what we see in our third point this evening, how, how Christ is the object of our journey. 
the Magi go on their, their way and, and miraculously the, the star continues to lead them. They know the place they're going to. Uh, they've, they've had it confirmed in Scripture. But the star leads them to the house. And remember, it's been months perhaps, uh, uh, perhaps even a couple of years since Jesus was born. So they're not, they're not still kind of hanging around uh, in, a, in a stable. They've, they've found a house to live in. And so the Magi find that house and they, they see Jesus with his mom, Mary. And what do they do? They do three things. First and most strikingly, they fall down and they worship him in verse 11. And this is where we have to, to honestly assess what we've read here together this evening and the response of our own hearts to it. If you can relate to these men at all, if you can sympathize with their humanity, if you can cease to be, if, if this can cease to be a dif- distant story from from a long ago world. And for a moment you put yourself in their place. You're a wise person. You spent your life studying uh, the, the wisdom of your culture and your people. Only to end up on this, this incredible and difficult journey. To find yourself before a child and a mother. In a small house. In a, a small town and a nation held captive by a foreign power. What in that moment could possibly cause you to fall down and worship? You probably can't even begin to imagine it, can you? Which is why we have to trust the testimony of the Magi this evening. We have to listen to them and we have to follow them. Because they're like us. Yet when they came face to face with the the person of Jesus, this little child that he was, their first response was to fall down before him and worship him as their God. We have to allow this moment in history and these witnesses to to challenge our own hearts. Who do you say Jesus is? There's there's no in-between option. Either he is the God you fall down before and worship or he's not. But how you respond to him is, is an ultimate issue you must come to terms with. The th- second thing we see them do is, is offer him their riches and treasure. Again, verse 11. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, these were pretty posh gifts. Um, I can't even remember what, what I got my wife last year for Christmas. I love her dearly, but I, I don't remember. It wasn't as nice as, as what the wise men brought to Jesus. So what's Matthew's point? Well, uh, Frederick Bruner says this. He says, when, when people are drawn to, uh, drawn to find and worship God's Christ, they also find themselves wanting to bring him their finest resources. Christmas gift giving has its origin here. The first gift giver is God. Now the first human gift givers are magi. Regenerate humanity's first response to Christ is giving itself to his honor and service. The question of life's meaning begins to be answered. It is to devote one's gifts to God's King. I think it, that's a brilliant summary of the gift of Magi. What, that, that here we find the beginning of the answer to our, our purpose in life. To bring our, our whole selves to Christ. All of our gifts, all of our abilities, our intellect, strength, love, all that we are. And to lay it before our King. Not simply acknowledging his lordship over our lives, but actually surrendering ourselves 
to him. Giving of our best and finest. We'll sing the, the classic carol in a, in a few moments in, in the bleak midwinter. Uh, it's probably not the best carol ever, but it does express something about what, what we're meant to bring to Christ. It asks, what can I give him? And it answers, I can give him my heart. Now last we see them do something really bold. Look back at, at verse 8. Remember what Herod told them to do. He sent, sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you, have, when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now this is an order from one of the most powerful men uh, in the world at the time. He's a high official of the Roman emperor. What did the Magi do? Well, verse 12, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Magi come, and they give Jesus their worship, their treasure, and even, even their lives. It was a dangerous thing to disobey Herod and to flee from him. And even though these were, were likely uh, powerful men in their own rights, they had, a, they had a long way to go to get home. They had a lot of desert to cross. You know, anything could have happened to them. Any sort of, you know, there, there could be any number of accidents that befell them. So where does this leave us? What do we take away from this? You have these men, I, I, I do think it was likely three, it could have been more. But you have these three men who at, at the start of our, our passage were, were idolaters. And by the end of their journey, we find them laying their whole selves, their whole hearts, their riches and lives before this, this child Jesus. I think it's important in closing that we, we circle back to the question of why. Why do these worldly wise men, these, these magicians, these astrologers, why do, they, why do they come so far to worship this child? Well, the answer can only be because of the heart of God for sinners like them and like us. You see, they weren't being led by a treasure map or by their own wisdom. They were led by the God who had placed the stars in the sky and who spoke his word into our world by his prophets long ago. And this same God took on our flesh and came into our world as a child, Jesus. And that's who these men saw. And, and, and 30 years later on a, on a cross outside of Jerusalem, and maybe these men were, were still living at that time uh, in Mesopotamia, or maybe they, they had passed from this world. Either way, 30 years later, that, that child would, would be a man and that man would have lived the life that these magi could never have lived. A life that you and I could never live. A life that none of us sinners could live. And he would die on the cross, the death that we all deserve. And on that, on that day, when these, these magi looked into the eyes of this child, maybe they didn't know all of that. Maybe they didn't know what his future held. But when they looked at Jesus, they could see God himself. They could see God incarnate. The one, the one person bigger than the heavens that they had stared at their whole lives. The one person bigger than the world that they occupied. When they looked at this child, they saw everything that they, they'd spent their lives searching the stars for. Right there before them. And so through their eyes, we're invited to see the same. Through their actions, through their journey, we're called 
to come to him? What can you bring him? Poor broken sinner that you are. You can, you can bring him your heart. You can bring him your worship. You can bring him your whole self. That's what he asks of us. That's what he came for. So that you might know the great love of God the Father for you. And in knowing that, you might be made whole through his blood shed for you. That you might live as he created you to live. As a creature who worships and glorifies him. Let us pray.